0: yeah happy monday everybody solid ground live stream i don't i've lost track of the numbers in fact i noticed that i was i was numbering them incorrectly so if people ever look at the the podcast playlist and they're like well she's got number 42 three times well it's because i i lost track so i have to go back and figure that out but (laughs) happy monday it's thanksgiving week so happy thanksgiving to everybody um and if Americans, Canadians, Europeans, whoever you are, <laughs> we're thankful for you. Um, <laughs> and we have Jason Littlefield with us today. I'm really happy to have you with us. It's nice to see you again.
1: Nice to see you as well. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you. And and we're going to talk about your new book and your Empowered Humanity Theory. And so it's great to have that discussion and an opportunity to talk about alternatives to DEI and and how we can do this better. But perhaps we should start with an introduction to Solid Ground. Jennifer, do you want to you <laughs> see if you remember what we do? What do we do?
2: I'll, all right. I'll share what I remember about what we do. And if I miss anything, you guys can just pitch in. So Solid Ground is a peer support community for people that are concerned about authoritarianism and critical social justice. We have weekly groups where we engage in civil dialogue about these issues and, um, We can be found at solidgroundsupport.org.
0: I never remember if it's com or org.
2: I know. I am terrible with that. So let's see. Solidgroundsupport.org is what it looks like to me. Um, And nothing, let's see, nothing that we do is psychotherapy or legal advice and should not be construed as such. (laughs)
0: <laughs> sounds like you got I, get all the everything? Elements.
2: <laughs> I got the major elements in that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's great. It's really good. It's uh, it's nice to have a sanity check with other people who yes. are also experiencing these kind of things in their lives. So yeah, that's great. So Jason, you and I spoke, uh, I gosh, it's been a couple of months now mm-hmm. uh, and kind of talked about some of your experiences with castle and with the, the the DEI trainings around the school system and how bizarre that is and how that just it it feels very wrong and very harmful and you have a theory that you've come up with which offers sort of a an alternative training that teaches people the value of humanity and shared shared human um, values and and connection that doesn't dissect people in the same way and I, but I should let you explain it better because you'll you'll do a much better job of talking about it
1: than me. Sure. Um, goodness, I'm trying to think where... So can we begin at the DEI alternative? Because I heard you say that and that it might be a good launching path. Sure, um, please, yeah. I believe that the DEI industrial complex is essentially this idea that we need to try to improve human relationships. We need to try to make things better for people, that that's the underlying urge behind things like diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that idea has been institutionalized you know, in our workplaces, in our schools, and in society. But however as it was being institutionalized, it was being done so with collectivist political philosophy as the tools that it is building DEI. It is not improving human relations. It is not decreasing, decreasing racism. Uh, In fact, what it is doing, it is intensifying the mental health crisis and intensifying human prejudice, uh, and I know that because I was in that working professional world from 2014 to 2021. So, I I guess my idea of empowered humanity theory is since these bureaucracies are already established and they are largely held by compassionate, caring human beings that are unaware of the tool set that they are using, uh, if they are presented with an idea that actually decreases human prejudice, uh, decreases that tribal rivalry, uh, and decreases feelings of judgment and fear-based towards each other, and really actually worked to strengthen our shared humanity, then we will properly address the mental health crisis in this country. We will address issues of human hate, uh, from racism to anti-Semitism to sexism. All of the things that those institutions claim to be fighting If we change the tool set in those institutions, then those things will go down. But if we keep using the same collectivist political philosophy to treat those symptoms, then we are actually strengthening the psychological capacities to harm each other rather than to bring each other back. So I put an idea out in the world uh, and now... I'm ready to share it and see, see what happens.
0: You know, I know that I... was
1: kind of a long no, winded, but I was like, this is, th- this is going to require a lot of conversation. So thanks for having me again.
0: Oh, I'm glad. No, I don't think it's long winded at all. I think that's excellent. And I really appreciate your lack of cynicism when you talk about the reasons why people would be promoting some of these DEI initiatives. And I think that that's really important because there are good people who are yeah just uh, just misdirected around some of these things that's not not every single person putting this forward is some kind of um a demagogue. marxist monster yeah. you know they yeah. they're
1: not but the the thing is is that neo-marxist framework is the only framework that is being utilized you know even if it is kind-hearted people but if they look closely at the tools that they're using they'll realize like this is not actually improving our situation and it is pointing that it it's pointing to capitalism and liberalism as the source of racism so thinking objectively if we remove a particular economic system Will human racism really go away? No. So how do we prevent and ease racism? And the answer is, is humanizing each other and practicing humanizing each other, which is one of those, you know, parts of empowered humanity theory. So it's, you know, they talk about doing the work. Yes, it's time that we do the work from the inside out and do it in a way that we honor the dignity of all people. And we don't put artificial layers between us because putting those artificial layers between us is the thing that is driving us further apart and causing us to harm each other in these most awful ways that we are now seeing publicly on, on our streets of, through this new round of demonstrations.
0: Deborah, you showed us you had taken a bunch of notes on Jason's book. What 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 are some things that stood out for you and, and what questions do you have?
3: Let's see, wow. Um where do I want to want to start? I mean, I like the I'm trying to remember your three basic uh principles it seems like there's moving one is just moving this whole identity focus to immutable characteristics or something that and really rooting a person like in their own values and that being oh a value-centered
1: identity yeah
3: that yeah so that somehow the the um yeah the group identity gets dissolved and yet you still get to have something but it's really like a person to actually find ways you know what's great about the book is there's just so many exercises to support each of the pillars of your program and so that's one piece the dignity lens right is another one um both with self right kind of way one is sort of holding and working with oneself and how also one is looking outside and then the common humanity is that the third piece Uh, of
1: prioritizing mindsets of inquiry and compassion oh sorry yeah
3: yeah yeah so that's a, another piece too because it's so easy to do this well it's not so easy it's being promoted actually right we're being promoted to be stereotyping we're being pro- it's being promoted to think that this particular identity group must be thinking this and doing this and all of that and so to move and to be cultivating a capacity to actually not know and be curious and to ask to inquire um, and so I just, I like those principles. And then I really like this book is so usable, you know for anybody to actually have a just a massive list of practices that they can do to build up any of these particular, um, and they could be anything from like doing some journaling or doing some sort of visualization or doing something more like a conventional mindfulness practice. So I, I like the, both the the uh, framework and then also it's not just a framework. It's like, okay, what are you going to go do with this? Um, I'm trying to think. Of, I mean, I have a lot of questions, but I almost don't want to go there. They're almost questions, but I could ask after we've had more discussion. Um, so I think I want to wait because I th- feel like they'd be a later on sort of thing to bring in.
1: Sure. Uh, you did touch on something I would like to comment on though. Uh, but I I did, I'm... I'm glad that uh, I'm glad to hear your feedback because I wrote it in a way where the reader could really get through okay, what is this idea of empowered humanity theory and why, you know, and what's it based in and all of that for them to get through in about an hour and then have just these tons of pragmatic, practical things that they can do. And return to at any time they want. So it's kind of a way to quickly spread the idea. You know, it's not some heavy down, languagey, you know, sophistry, ego stroking type of an idea. It's like, no, this, this is a, this actually addresses the things that people in our world are saying are a problem people are saying that the mental health crisis is a problem and racism and hatred is a problem and this ideology that's captured our society and institutions is a problem well here's this is something that is addressing those from a cognitive neuroscience and human psychology per perspective you know there's no politics or anything like that involved it's how do we humans thrive in our world and and with each other and we know that whenever we see each other as an other that actually is one of those things that causes us to do more harm so if we cannot focus on seeing each other as an other which the critical social justice does you know that Even if they don't like the outcomes that, oh, God, this actually is increasing the innate human capacity for prejudice. They may not like that, but in reality, it is. The hatred in our world is being cultivated by this new institutionalized idea. So it's like, man, we got to get. And I've been, you know, uh, Deborah reached out to me during the pandemic years ago when I was trying to basically say, oh my gosh, there's this huge problem in in society and we have to, we have to fix it. And, you know, in those three or four years since things have continuing, continuously magnified. So I think it's really time for us to start putting forth solutions and stop being reactionary. So I'm glad to hopefully contribute to that.
0: One of the things that you said about it, I thought this was really appealing is that it's more of a workbook in some ways than a manuscript uh, for, for just, you know, reading text. And so it gives you concrete activities and examples of how to implement this theory. So could you offer an example from that? Like what's a, what's something that really could be put into practice simply to help with this?
1: Uh, well, one of the first things is there's a value setting activity. Uh, I think do, doing that is essential to understanding and living your life according to some of these empowered humanity theory ideas. Uh, but yeah, so select your core values, and then there's some reflection questions in there about how to how to live a life of a value centered identity uh there's
3: i like the me, rippling lake can you tell the rippling lake
1: let me look in here
0: oh, a rippling lake i didn't see that part that's really good
3: i was realizing oh i should do that one <laughs>
0: What do you remember from that? Well, oh, remember,
3: well, it was this. It was basically it was an emotional regulation one. So it would be be imagining your bias still lake, and you see it, and you kind of see how you feel, and then imagine it starts getting you know rippling, active, and then imagine that you can actually calm it down and see in your own mind's eye this lake calming down. And you can just sort of feel almost physiologically how that also feels like how you could calm yourself down if you were disturbed. Um, so I, I I like that one.
1: And thank you, uh, Deborah. And The thing with that is once you, you know, read that and do that practice in the book, then the next time you feel yourself becoming dysregulated, you have that to draw on you can say okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do that lake visualization now so you you can return back to these practices uh, from memory is mm-hmm. is kind of is kind of the goal there and whenever all of these practices are practices that strengthen the neural network networks that are linked to our psychological well-being so every time you do one of these practices, it's like, I guess, going to the gym for your mental health. And I think that's a really something that is needed in this world. You know, life is hard. I mean, it's a, it's a really it's a really challenging thing to be a human on planet Earth. So there's some just good uh, strategies and practices to. A e- ease those things in our own personal lives. Well,
0: it seems like a big part of the DEI training process is building an awareness of other of of specific groups' difficulties, and there's a big focus. It feels like, like I can remember, I'm I'm going to butcher this, but when I was in law school, we talked about the basically the four principles of punishment or, or of of um, <clears throat> criminal justice, and one of them is is punishment. That's a big part of it. And DEI seems like it's focused on that same kind of justice system where we want to, we, we're not satisfied with just improving relations and improving connection and compassion. One of our objectives is to make sure that people feel guilty and feel uh, responsible for the the difficulties that other people face. And so how do you get people to switch off that mindset? Because that's a really... Once that pathway is lighted up, it's a it it becomes a really strong pathway for people, and and it that that anti uh, it's, it's that resentment,
1: yeah, uh, you know, uh, building mindset. I'm not really sure how to get rid of that. And something that I've noticed is that the the only criticism that I've gotten for empowered humanity theory over the years is me not in conversation uh mentioning all of you know previous human atrocities like I don't mention slavery and Jim Crow and racism and all of these things that I know about and motivate me to like, okay, well, how do we stop it because I'm not and, i even had somebody tell me that they said i want to see you struggle more with it Mm -hmm. so there is this idea out there to that somehow struggling with the atrocities of our past is the way to stop racism but in reality that's that's an that's an indignity like Mm -hmm. if your objective is to cause psychological suffering on my part. And the way that we ease current racism and prevent racism is by distributing psychological suffering on my part. That's a violation of my my dignity. And objectively speaking, that is not going to make people stop being racist. So Mm -hmm. the only way that I am now trying to like, how do we stop that is just providing a clear another path and say, this is the idea that, that I'm pushing forth. Uh, You can ask me questions you can join or, or you can not, but at this moment in time, I can't wait around and try to have conversations with people. I have to put something in the world that is going to help people mm-hmm. and strengthen relationships, even if the mainstream isn't ready for that. You know, Eventually, I think humans will want to come together and will want to strengthen our mental health and relationships between us. From a non-political vantage point, so mm-hmm. i'm 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 say I'm I'm here to say now is the time. If you're one of those people, now is the time to begin doing something uh, differently and more positively and proactively.
3: Also, I mean, you're helping not with a political bent, but the you know some of the practices are helping people just in general. Uh, sensitize their heart towards themselves and others without a particular way you have to direct that. Mm-hmm. And I'm imagining that would there's a certain care, care for your fellow human beings. Um, want, you know, if there's something someone needs, whatever, right, there's like probably some desire to fulfill that, but it's not coming along with it. it's being directed a particular way or it's should, you should be thinking about so-and-so this way, but it's not, not caring. And it's not, and in fact, probably the response might be more appropriate. Um, yeah. And I never should situation. on
1: anybody. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it's, but it, yeah,
1: it's just, <clears throat> you know, what are, these are some things that we can do. And when we practice these particular attitudes, we're, Strengthening what is naturally best within us. And we are decreasing those primitive primal things that cause us to do harm to ourselves and do harm to others. And we've been on this planet a long time. We have a lot of things to look back and draw upon and see what did and didn't work. And othering each other, it never it never works out. It never works out dividing humans into groups and having them compete against each other for power and resources. That never works out uh, for the greater good.
3: It seems like you're going to the root, really, right? Like we could call it this system and this, that, and the other, but like the root of human beings having the potential tendency to do the othering and to be in the lower part of their brain, right? Yeah. And going, let's just move it all up (laughs) yeah, (laughs) into the more developed parts of our, you know, nervous system. And that's really it. You know, like we wouldn't even have all these institutions or structures that we don't like, you know, there's, they're so bad. We were actually operating at a higher level.
1: Yeah. That's a, I love that. It's a, yeah, I'm proposing a collective shift up, (laughs) get out of that primal, primal brain and critical social justice ideology it it keeps us locked in <laughs> that primal brain it does not allow us access to our prefrontal cortex in fact it calls objective thinking racist so it kind of it's disconnecting us from the parts of our brains that are needed to solve complex human problems
0: I had this yes. conversation with uh, with Jenny Rogers the other day that I recorded. And I'll I'll put it up in a day or two about uh, this DEI training for librarians around um, around fat liberation was what it was specifically. I know. I'm sorry, I'm I know. Sorry. <laughs> but what it was was it the the thing. And I was trying to articulate what was just even as we we're, we're reading this and we're talking about it. We had a pretty good conversation around it. I found myself trying to articulate what felt so, how, how to concisely say what felt so wrong about this. And what it was was this, this person, this activist person, was collecting these stories from these librarians about the challenges that they experienced in their work and professional life due to their size. And so Jennifer, <laughs> no, 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 I'm i I'm just a bad person. <laughs> no, you're not. Cause it's, it, it's just, it gets a little ridiculous when it's everything needs to be liberated at some point. Yes, what, what is yes. the end point? Right. But what it was, was you're reading these, these, these vignettes and these anecdotes from people and and it was genuinely, I felt like anybody would feel sympathetic for this person. It's this really human story of this thing happens and I feel embarrassed and then i'm i'm and then it's awkward for me because of this other thing and i just i have this embarrassment and this this situation and it felt like they were using these in order to create a sense of indignation and rage among the 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 audience like we're gonna be we're gonna get mad on their behalf and try to fix things and try to be uh advocate for them and 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 it's that, it is that very much that shift as Deborah and Jason, you're talking about that shift to the lower sort of primal emotional state, instead of finding a way they could have used those same vignettes and same anecdotes to humanize people and to say, look at the experiences and have compassion for the experiences of other people. But instead it was, it was being co-opted in order to, to fuel a sense of rage, resentment and indignation. And I feel like the thing that you're talking about, Jason, it's like, use it for something that connects you rather than Mm. something that divides you.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that was, that was my experience with those types of, you know, trainings as well Is like, Hey, this, this isn't good. Uh, And then it just really compelled me to like man we really gotta we we gotta combat this we gotta change this somehow and it's going to be up to us because the institutions aren't gonna aren't gonna change but if there's better ideas that's you know work their way in through the hearts and the minds of the people uh i think that goes that goes back to the title of this conversation is eroding DEI from the inside out that I I don't understand how any person that's in DEI can read this and walk away still implementing the same, the same collectivist uh, framework Mm -hmm. rather than one that's based in cognitive neuroscience and, human liberty you know in general because honoring the dignity of another person is one of the things that's necessary in a free society Mm -hmm. and all of the atrocities that critical social justice points to were dignity violations and it's up to us in this generation to learn That's what dehumanizing looks like, and we can stop it now. Like This generation that's on planet Earth can shift in our minds that we are no longer going to treat each other that way. We are no longer going to hate each other for political beliefs or for the color of our skin. We have been falsely divided, and we could come together right now and problem-solve. In the most creative and amazing ways, uh, but as Deborah said, we have to we have to shift up, and these practices help us to shift up.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm looking in the chat. Uh, good morning, Kelly. Good morning, Secret Squirrel, and. Internet TV says Jennifer likes to laugh. So that's I think that's right. You're not a terrible person. You just think everything's funny. (laughs) I do think everything's funny. (laughs) And uh, Phoebe Clark says, what is the name of the book again?
1: Uh, Empowered Humanity Theory, a framework for an empowering and dignified life. And do you have, is there a place where people could purchase
0: this if they wanted to? Do you already have it it published?
1: It's on Amazon.
0: Okay, we can put a link in the description after once we wrap up and i get that all up so we'll put a link out there and then karen king says because it's a religion and not intellectual reasoning she's talking about the dei system yeah yeah and you know what's interesting
2: about that though it's like it's a religion and i agree there's so many religious and i think cult-like elements but like jason was saying earlier it it sort of prevents you from using objective thinking because it attacks objective thinking, calling it racist or white supremacist. But then it also um, puts an obstacle um, in front of the transcendent because it wants to keep people locked in these identity boxes rather than transcending that. And this
1: trans—this transcends. Well, yeah, so-
2: that's what I appreciate about that.
0: It's like on a on a social scale, we're experiencing the same kind of thing that a person experiences when they're trying to heal from something that's been difficult in their own life. You have this phase where it's just really hard to see past how hurt you are.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But at some point, if you want to actually live a good life, you have to find out how to take responsibility for where you are and where you're going and how you how you interact with people in the world, despite the things that have happened to you that are that are genuinely that have been wrong and have been really hurtful because Hmm. it's a fact of life for all of us. And it feels like this is kind of that this is that next level up you're offering it's it's get at some point, it's time to figure out how to move forward and not dwell in
1: resentment. Yep. And you know, I've, I've also been fortunate enough that the past. Oh, six years that i've been thinking about and talking about this i've also gone through a lot of really nasty grueling personal thing you know human things myself and these were the things that i you know the practices and the attitudes that i came back to uh and go back to during my moments of chaos uh because we all have moments of chaos so what do we do with that uh, when we experience anger? How do we channel that in appropriate ways? Uh, what? So this is these are the things that I too have really leaned heavily on throughout the years, mm-hmm. and some of the I I respond to things differently uh, than I than I used to, which is. I I appreciate that uh, as well.
3: It seems like, oh, go ahead, ahead. Deborah. No, no. go ahead. (laughs) I was, I I don't know if you guys know the Enneagram. I'm a six on the Enneagram and that's often devil's advocate. So I was thinking, what are the questions that would be the hard questions that people would pose to Jason about this? And then, so I thought I'd ask them not from a spirit of meanness, but more like, I wonder if someone might think these things and wonder the answer. Um, And one was, how like how does your so in DEI often they're talking about implicit bias and we're going to go at it some sort of way do the work whatever that is how does your approach how might that address people's biases or somehow unwind them um or you know does how how is that working in your yep. work model
1: well well I think the the specifically the attitude of prioritizing mindsets of inquiry and compassion over fear and judgment. Uh, really addresses that point because a bias is, you know, kind of that reaction of fear and judgment. So, whenever we notice we ha- are having those types of thoughts to replace and inspect that uh, with inquiry and compassion, you know, with compassion see is is this particular thought and what i'm seeing is there an element of suffering you know that i'm having these thoughts uh it's something that i could alleviate and then if it's if it's not then i you know with that inquiry is what questions can i ask you know why why is this happening versus i know this is happening because you know what questions can i ask in the moment To get more curious about this situation and about this person rather than distancing them. And I I would also say that all humans are born with an in-group bias preference. So we have this natural desire to want to be around those that we have shared traits or shared values. Uh, So the more that we can get to see each other as a human being first, rather than part of some sort of group first, that decreases that uh, bias tendency. And that also all humans are hardwired for the capacities of prejudice, aggression, and cruelty. And a bias is kind of that, pre- you know, prejudice, you know, prejudice is I I prefer one thing toward the other. And that when we have cultivate that dignity lens that I talk about, we decrease the human capacity for prejudice. So this really empowered humanity theory really goes at the heart of okay, how do I decrease my my bias? Because I also noticed that people in that critical social justice world, they think that I should not be talking because I am a straight white Christian male. So I don't understand how telling somebody that they shouldn't have a voice based off of their born into traits. To me, that is extremely biased. Mm -hmm. So are we really trying to work on human bias or are we using our institutions to gear socially accepted biases towards a another group mm-hmm. so that would be my devil's advocate response to that uh how does this address mm-hmm. implicit or explicit bias
3: I like that too, because it doesn't involve like identity based self flagellation, right? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> right? Like, you don't have to go, oh, I'm of this group. I better be self flagellating. It, it, it comes like you might be able to see that there's some tendencies or something, but you don't have to have this sort of like, I'm a bad person or I'm a, I yeah, having this. It's just, there's just like, huh, um, or, or like there's a, a good disposition towards oneself. While at the same yeah. time, maybe getting clearer view of others.
1: And also, you know, I heard you mention that identity. So also, if I'm adhering to a value-centered identity, if I'm operating from a place of what are my core values, then I'm not going to be hateful and biased towards somebody. And when I notice that I'm stepping outside of my core values. Then I can say, Jason, that you know, you're you're not in line with your values on this in this particular situation, you need to reel yourself back in. So when we do adhere a lifestyle that's anchored in our chosen values, we're also less likely to do each other harm. And if we're trying to maintain a free society. Then figuring out how to decrease the ways that we harm each other should really be a necessary focus.
0: Something from the chat: Paul McAuliffe says, "Ideology doesn't like sensibility. Wokesters would have trouble opening this book, no." And that's one of the things that I kind of, you know, they they've really, to some extent, with the critical social justice ideology, they've inoculated themselves against this kind of thinking because they'll automatically, if you're trying to talk about humanity or humanization or or seeing other people as people first and group members second, they'll, they have a response built in for that. That's centering whiteness, that's white supremacy. That's, you know, that's institutional. They um, they,
1: they do. And, and I think now is the time where the people that are focused on our shared humanity mm-hmm. Then whenever we hear things like that to mm-hmm. say, you know, okay, but I, I'm moving forward with this mm-hmm. because this is what is best. And then the more of us that are vocal and compassionate to the quote unquote woksters and show them, honor the dignity of them as people and say, thank you, but no thanks. I'm moving forward in, in this fashion. Eventually, maybe they'll catch up and hopefully they'll catch up. Uh, But people have been taught that, OK, this this tool that you're using, this is the, the only tool. This is the best tool. And if anybody comes along and tries to tell you differently, they're a bad person. Now, once people start to like, hey, wait a minute, that's somebody's trying to control the way I think and behave for this kind of sinister political objective. I think there's also there's also liberty in escaping that ideology. Uh, you know, it is gonna take this book getting inside institutions and getting inside work groups and somebody in that work group saying, uh, y'all, the way that we are approaching our work right now, is in violation to human dignity and it is decreases decreasing our mental health and well-being and our ability to get along we need to we need to have some conversations and it's not really going to go fantastically at first but um there are kind-hearted people in those institutions that are stepping up and they they People are facing backlash, but the more of us that can compassionately and pragmatically move forward with something new rather than continuing to bump heads and argue, I think that the more people would join and want to be a part of something like that because we also are on this planet. And if we want to live, use our time here arguing and hating, And engaging in that joyless behavior, we can, or we can just begin doing something completely different. And the more, you know, it's, the Macarena took off, you know, all these weird things (laughs) in society take off. People started eating Tide Pods for a while, you know, that, that got out there in the universe. So (laughs) I think that there's a possibility of a new idea getting out and, and taking hold that will do less damage than the Macarena and eating Tide Pods combined.
0: <laughs> what's well, a great subtitle, you know, Empowered Humanity <laughs> Theory, because Tide Pods aren't that good for you.
3: <laughs> I, you know, always think about like, what's the critique from one side? What's from the other? I've seen it a bit when I follow like on Twitter, particularly there are the people that might be more anti-woke or whatever who've gotten themselves so afraid of SEL or anything like it or anything that seems like a religion, like, Oh no, it seems Buddhist oh uh, yeah. religion. So how do you, how do you like manage those people that are either think SEL or anything like this is, is uh, just a vehicle for the politics or are worried it's Buddhist. And that's yeah,
1: the, the same way I do with the others. And I say, I, you know, I appreciate that but that is not uh my intent or objective and you know quite honestly from 2017 i'm writing these down to make sure i get it right from 2017 to 2021 i shared this with my immediate working group in austin which was they were admittedly woke you know they said we're we're woke and they they did not like it i'll put it that way (laughs) they did not like they did not like it and it ultimately forced me to leave my profession so from 2021 till the sometime in 2023 i realized that oh The anti-woke movement see me as a bad person, too. So that's when I decided to say, well, I guess what I'm going to have to do, I'm just going to have to present this idea as, you know, that this is something that does address the mental health crisis. It does address human hate, and it does address the ideology. I'm just going to write a book, and I'm going to put it out there, and if there are others in a in the same mindset as me like yeah i want to figure out how to live a more empowering and dignified life for myself i want to i want to get more out of this journey called life and yeah i if i'm interested in combating racism i'm going to use it that way if i'm interested in combating the ideology i'm going to send copies of this book to all of the heads of the DEI departments uh, because that's something else that I've been doing. I've, I've sent this book out to the castle of board directors. I've sent it to mental health professionals. I've sent it out to various DEI offices and SEL offices across the country. Uh, so if there are people that are ready to like, yeah, let's begin doing something differently. Let's do it uh, differently. And I, I've also been working in a school district in Maryland uh, with this, with this idea, and using it as a way to restore the climate and culture of a campus, uh, strengthen the relationships between the people in the buildings, and to give educators self-management uh, and self-compassion tools, because life is hard and life as an educator is really quite hard these days. So I'm just putting it, I'm, you know, I guess clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am stuck in the middle and I'm going, I'm going this way. And I think that at this point in time, there's a lot of other people that are interested in going this way as well.
3: and it's just it's just the human
1: way you know it's not Mm -hmm. even a political like i i don't have a political lens or operation at all i'm just like what can i do to make me the best human that i can be and holy cow this idea actually addresses the kernels of truths that the ideologues weaponize So if we get people thinking differently about each other and change the hearts and minds of people, they'll stop putting awful ideas in our institutions. uh, And maybe we can have a chance at this thing, because if people are concerned about the political landscape right now, the only way to change that is to change it through the culture. Like... And right now, the culture is completely this toxic, critical social justice, politically divided way of being. And if that continues, then the future political landscape will be tyrannical. Uh, If we are able to unite in our culture right now, then the future of our political sphere will be that free society that we long for and we hope those that will come after us get to experience.
0: I was going to ask you what your plan is for getting this in front of the right people or or influencing people to consider taking this approach. You mentioned sending it to DEI places, the heads, and you also mentioned that you're working with a school district right now. And mm-hmm. Do you have other businesses so far that have been or, or institutions that have expressed any interest and, and what's your plan going forward with that?
1: Not right now. Um, My plan is to... I guess what I'm doing now, uh, you know, I've got the book and I did, I've sent roughly 50 copies to various quote-unquote influencers, all of the researchers that I listed in the book, um, uh, mental health professionals and institutions. So I've I've got it out into the hands of the right people and that process, they started getting those books last week and it will continue until the 28th of this month, I think is the, when the last one is due to, to come. So really just shared in the world and seeing, uh, which, which schools and which businesses and which groups want to want to begin doing something different. Cause I do facilitate in person, in person. I hate using that word trainings, but workshops, uh, as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, in the chat, Paul McAuliffe, whose comment I read a little bit ago says he agrees, uh, with the move forward and keep trying, keep displaying facts and, uh, And the fallout from what's going on and that he's definitely getting the book so he responded to your response to him Um, cool and then karen king says something that that this is kind of echoing some of the stuff we talked about a little bit ago but Mm -hmm. she says i'm struggling with the idea that this sort of intellectualizing doesn't influence the high emotionality of wokeness and she says we need to first teach people to manage discomfort then we can engage the intellect and i think that's part of what your your book is seeking to do and and i think that the the description like the lake and the 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 different techniques for managing emotionality are definitely really valuable and i also share that same concern that there's going to be such a guard up among so many people that they won't even give it a chance
1: yep but, yep there there will be there, there is, there is resistance on quote unquote, both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, those that are heavily entrenched in politics, uh, both sides are strongly against the ideas in this book. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you, when you read that book and you recall that memory of everybody that has a strong political opinion is opposed to, to this. So I think that that awareness could cause a huge shift as well, because like, okay, why, why is it that the political left and the political right disagree on human dignity compassion and kindness for self and others and me identifying myself and you identifying yourself by your chosen core values. So I think that that should be a big shakeup and awareness that, yeah, this false political divide, it has us blind to doing things that strengthen our mental health and decrease our propensities to harm each other. So, there's a lot of barriers that we have to uh, break free, you know, break free from. And I think of us, you know, like an old table that may have a, a layer of veneer, uh, another layer of red paint over the years, and blue paint and white paint and more veneer, maybe some formica. Uh, but we have to peel those layers off to get down to that raw humanity that we are and really treat that raw humanity and peeling away some of those layers. It looks like people pushing back and rejecting and saying, Oh no, that's, that's bad because that's that fear base. That's, you know, we initially go to that, that, that fear base and aren't even giving some of these things a try, but that's how if we can, whenever we recognize that I'm having this strong fear and judgment response in a situation to where my physical safety is guaranteed, then how can I stay curious in that moment and not cast judgment on this person, place, or thing? How can I learn more about it rather than push away from it? and And that's one of the things that I'm promoting in this book is how do we how do we do that with each other? How do we, begin to how do we stay engaged with each other so that we are not damaging each other and really the more that you stay engaged with each other the more we find common ground and we realize that we're being falsely divided um, on all of these various propaganda ways of dividing us right now
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know i'm wondering about you know about influencers and i'm thinking about like the real like those internet people, I'm thinking about young people too who well you like Chloe Valder, we know she's kind of into meditation and inner work or I'm thinking of Amala, I forget what her last name is, but there's there's some younger voices who are either getting more stoic or getting more or talking a little bit about their inner working with their inner. And I'm just wondering if there's a way to leverage younger people who are saying, hey people, it's a bit inside job. You know, and Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about how would this become I hate to say let's make it cool. Like but I am curious, like, is there is there a way that younger people who have more of a voice, like, I don't know if you're sending your book to any of those sorts of people, but um, I think the more the younger generation hears voices that they might respect or look up to or something like that, and if they saw them talking about it, that might have some um, m- magnifying effect.
1: Uh, I had a driving thought yesterday about how I need to do another version of this book, but not include uh, the foreword or the prologue, take those parts out and write it at maybe a 10th grade level and include more practices and more journaling and make it for youth. And mm-hmm. really make it have another book that, that does appeal to youth because that's where the real change will come from. Uh, if the youth of the world will reject what is happening right now and take hold in other ideas in their hearts and minds, that's how we'll change the world. And in fact, I've, uh, I don't want to say given up. On this generation, but part of me, you know, just moving forward on my own with this idea in the world is that I've accepted the reality that it may not be in this generation or in my lifetime that this mm-hmm. idea takes off, but eventually there's going to be enough human beings on this planet that see through the propaganda and the ideology and they understand that that is harming us and impairing their rights to life, liberty, and their pursuit of happiness, then the idea will, will take off. So a lot of it does rest, I don't want to say rest on the shoulders of young people, but the hope and optimism is in young people.
0: I've had that same thought as you were talking that it would be nice to get this in front of people as young as possible and get people thinking in this framework early in life. I wonder maybe this is silly but I wonder if you could do an activity book for kids even based on some of these ideas like a coloring and activity book that incorporates some of these ideas about about being kind to people and seeing people as as human beings first and you know just there's so much propaganda from this the social justice angle aimed
1: at yep. children and i i would love that mm-hmm. i would love um i would love to be able to do that and to have that time and support to be able to do that for sure
0: i bet a lot of parents would want that for their kids um yeah. clem sends a super chat thank you so much clem that's really nice and thank you all for engaging in the chat. Are there, I, we, I know we have a hard out a uh, little before the hour. So any final thoughts, Jason, do you think that there's anything that we, that you really want to leave people with on this?
1: Uh, I I'd, I'd want to officially thank Paul for uh, saying he's going to take a chance and check that book out. And I, I would encourage, you know, everybody to, to do that. If, if you want to try something different and you want to strengthen your own neurological pathways that are related to your psychological well-being in this really crazy, insane world, uh, here's a, a there's a framework to do so. And I'm really uh, grateful that you allowed me to come have this conversation with you today.
0: Thank you for putting this this forward, I think it's beautiful. And I think that it's, I, I really hope that we start to see this shift and more yeah, people it, ready to talk about it this way.
1: And it's really just a slight, just a slight shift. You know, I, I've explained to people's like, I feel like what I'm trying to do is like I, imagine me coming up behind you and put my hand on your shoulders and just turning you a little, just a slight shift Because with that slight shift, your whole perspective and your whole, everything is changed with just that slight shift. So if we can shift towards human dignity and compassion and inquiry, by choosing those things, we are naturally rejecting what the critical social justice world is offering. So by living our lives in a way that strengthens what's best within us, we are naturally rejecting What they're offering and the more of us that take those intentional steps, then the more that will join us because they will see we are building a beautiful world by uh, living it that way.
0: Can you say the title of your book one more time, Jason, and hold it up?
1: Yes. Uh, Empowered Humanity Theory, a framework for an empowering and dignified life. And it is on Amazon.
0: Great, thank you so much. And I will, after a little bit, it always takes me a little bit to get the the notes and stuff added, but I will add that. So if you check back later today, there'll be a link as well. So okay, awesome. Thanks, Jason, again for joining us today, and thanks yes, to everybody. Yes, thank for y'all, and happy chat.
1: Thanksgiving as well.
0: Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.
1: Bye bye.